You're listening to the Bold Faced Truth podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 487. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP487. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, 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 look who is back. Hello, my lovely pod people. It's me. I'm back after a four-month sabbatical. And by the way, if you ever find yourself producing a podcast for 10 plus years, I highly encourage you to take some time off. (laughs) And if I would tell a client or a student that they should take some time off, I certainly need to do that for myself. And it was fantastic and restorative, and I feel regenerated and renewed And really thrilled to be back with you. So I will likely be doing some guest episodes, but for right now, I think I'm going to spend a majority of my time doing solo episodes. I might play around with some mini-sodes, just drop in a little bit of content to help your week go better. I, I really don't fucking know at this point. All I know is that I needed to jump back on the mic and talk about some shit that matters. So we are going to start off with a series all about worthiness. And this week, we're going to be talking about the connection between worthiness and boundaries or worthiness in speaking up for yourself. And this is something that has come up for me a lot as I've been interviewed on other podcasts, because I think there's this notion that there are these arbitrary personal development exercises like using positive affirmations or Mel Robbins, giving yourself a high five in the mirror. Or if we're talking about boundaries, it's like, oh, you need to speak up or you need to be more assertive. You need to flex your voice, speak your truth. And so we're talking about all of these different like personal development exercises. And I think sometimes we don't realize how much those different exercises contribute to our sense of self-worth. Before we go any further, I want to talk about the semantics of worthiness. You probably, if you've heard me talk about it, I use the words enough or worthy. Those two tend to resonate the most with a majority of the women that I speak with. But I will say that sometimes other synonyms are applicable as well. I think oftentimes when we say I'm not lovable or I don't deserve love, that is in the same camp as worthiness. I think it's also synonymous with saying, I don't feel valued. I don't feel like I have value. I don't feel like I matter or that I matter to someone else. When we're talking in those sorts of terms, value, matter, enough, worthy, lovable, 
we're talking about sort of the same concept. It's our intrinsic value, our worth as a human, who we are. And as we go through this series, we're going to be talking about separating our sense of self-worth from so many other things in our worlds. We're going to be talking about how it relates to emotion. For example, when you are experiencing something that's really painful or that hurts, maybe you were broken up with or you got passed over for a job that you really wanted. In those moments, we will have a specific type of emotion, sadness, grief, upset, not feeling valued, feeling a bit dismissed. Those sorts of emotions that we carry, we will then make that mean that we don't matter or that we aren't enough, that we aren't worthy. So we're going to be digging into that in one of the future episodes. But this concept around speaking up for yourself or establishing boundaries, enforcing boundaries, I think it's really important that we look at the direct correlation to self-worth because when we are talking about the things that we really want in our lives, like going after a new job or a new business venture, we want to start our own podcast or write a book. Or maybe we want to get back into the dating scene and all of these disempowering beliefs or negative self-talk just floods in at the precipice of you doing something amazing for yourself. That is an effect of a lack of self-worth. If we don't believe that we are enough or that we are valuable, of course it's going to be difficult to jump back into the dating scene. Or of course, we're going to feel like an imposter when we put our name in for a promotion. We have to understand why self-worth is so incredibly important to our livelihood, to our happiness and our reality, but also how it is connected to the boundary piece and speaking up for yourself. So let's jump in. I'm going to talk about five major concepts. And as we go through this, I want you to be thinking about what is one small action step that you can take to start activating this self-worth. And we'll definitely be talking about what that might look like. So number one, first and foremost, no one can bestow worthiness to you except you. No one can decide that you are worthy or enough or not enough. In fact, there's this great quote by Dr. Wayne Dyer that says, self-worth comes from one thing, thinking you are worthy. And I would actually argue that it's more about believing that you are worthy. If you've heard me talk about how things are housed in the subconscious versus the conscious faculty of the mind, our thoughts are generated in our conscious part of our mind. That's roughly like 5 to 10% of the mind's power. Our beliefs, however, our beliefs are truly the fuels of our life. And that is, depending on who you talk to, 90 to 95% of our mind's power. So you better believe that if you have, pun intended, if you have a belief that you are not enough and that is running around in that 95% of the subconscious mind, And then consciously, with a thought, you try to do positive affirmations and say, no, I am enough. Of course, you're going to get a tremendous amount of kickback from that inner critic who says, fuck, no, you're not. 
because that inner critic is always checking for congruency between the conscious part of the mind and the subconscious. That is why it is imperative that we change the belief about your enoughness. So before we go any further, I need it to be really, really clear, as frustrating as it is, it is your call. It is your decision. In fact, in some dictionary definitions of the term self-worth, it will talk about one's own assessment of personal value. It's not something that I can say, this will always be enough. This will never be enough. In fact, if I were to ask you, what would make you pretty enough? What would make you smart enough? What would make you a good enough parent? It is likely that that is going to be a sliding fucking scale. And it becomes a dangling carrot where maybe it's like, okay, I will be a good enough parent if I am able to make fresh lunches for my child every day before they go to school. Okay, so you do that and then what? Then that carrot dangles a little farther and we change the criterion for what our worth is dependent or attached to. We do this also with our accomplishments where we think, okay, I'll be happy when, which is usually a surface concept of I'll be enough when I graduate from college. Okay, great. I did that. Okay, now I need to get a law degree. Now I need to join a prestigious firm. Now I need to make junior partner. Now I, and we just keep changing the criterion for our worthiness. That is why we have to decide that our enoughness, our worthiness stands outside of the opinions of other people, our accomplishments, even how we feel if we're really happy or we're really sad or anything in between. That does not have to have anything to do with our enoughness or our value. Now, what I will say here, too, is that you may have had situations where somebody blatantly told you you are not lovable or you're not enough. And I want to be really clear about this, that that oftentimes is about you not meeting a certain level of criteria for that other individual. For example, let's say you apply to get into all of these different graduate programs and you don't make it the first time. No school accepts you and you are just devastated. Does that mean you don't matter, that you don't have value, that you're not enough? No. It means that at this particular place in time, you did not meet criteria that was established by another party. Years ago, I was doing a lot of community theater and I went up for a play that I really, really wanted a very specific part in. And I kind of thought that I had it in the bag. And I didn't get it. And I really had to mourn that. And I remember just bawling my eyes out, being so fucking upset. And Mr. Smith was like, I feel bad leaving the house and leaving you here like you're crying. And I'm going, it's okay. I'm just, I'm feeling my feelings. I'm just letting it move through me. And in that moment, I realized that I may not have been enough to meet the criteria of that particular director at that particular theater house in that space and time. But that does not mean that now Amy, for all intents and purposes for the rest of her life, is not enough, is not valuable. So we have to be very careful about 
what we assume, like if someone else says you aren't lovable or you're not enough or I don't want you to work for this company or I don't want to do business with you or I don't want to date you or marry you, that does not mean that we are not valuable. It means that there's going to be a shit ton of emotional pain. That's for goddamn sure. But it does not mean that you've lost your worth. So we have to be really clear about isolated circumstances that carry an emotional current that's uncomfortable, like getting rejected, that hurts, and then making a grand meta assumption about who we are. Now, I want to also talk about number two, the subconscious message of what happens in that 90 to 95 percent of the subconscious mind when you choose not to speak up for yourself. Or what we typically do is we choose to people please. I think of those things as antithetical. We we typically either speak up or we people please. There's not a ton that's in the middle. There is a lot of room for nuance, but you can usually identify if there's something I'm not speaking up about, I'm probably trying to please someone or something. So here's the deal. Here's the big connection between boundaries and worthiness. Remember when I was talking about these different worthiness exercises or things that you can do like speaking kindly to yourself or journaling, et cetera? A lot of times I think it's touted like just something we should do. And we don't talk a lot about why it matters so damn much because there are a lot of implications. There are implications of what we do when we feel enough or when we don't feel enough. There's a difference in what we tolerate when we feel enough or don't feel enough. There's a difference in what we go for, what we put ourselves out there for, if we truly believe that we matter, right? So here's the deal. Every time you choose to stay silent, every time someone says something offensive and you bite your tongue, or anytime you buy into one of those idioms like sweep it under the rug or don't open up a can of worms and you choose to stay silent, you send a subconscious message to your own mind that other people's wants, needs, and opinions matter more than yours. And then what do we do? We do that in a cycle. It becomes cyclical. We do it over and over and over again. So at work, I don't want to tell. Stuzy in accounting how I feel about the TPS reports that she just <laughs> dropped on my desk. Or I don't want to tell my partner what I really think about our sex life or where we should send our kids to school. I don't want to tell my best friend that every time she brings up that one topic, it hurts my feelings. So what do we do? We stay quiet in all of those situations, cementing further that everyone else matters more than me. Everyone else is deserving of taking up space or speaking their truth or sharing things with other people, but not me. I better shrink. I better dull my shine. I better better shape shift and twist and contort myself to make sure that everyone else is happy. So first of all, you're being wildly inauthentic and you're being a bit of a liar. Let's be honest. (laughs) But also the biggest ramification is that you don't see your own value. And that will inform how you show up in life. So like I was talking about at the top of the show, 
No wonder you don't want to jump back into the dating scene. No wonder you think you're damaged goods. No wonder you are scared to start that nonprofit. No wonder you are terrified of what your in-laws might say if you speak up about something that's going on with your children. Our ability to speak up, our ability to establish a boundary and say, this I will no longer tolerate, anchors in the belief that you matter, that you are enough. So when I am telling you to learn how to establish boundaries or how to speak up, it is not some arbitrary personal development exercise. It is quite literally because your self-worth depends on it. The other thing that I'll mention about this, if any of you follow Melissa Urban of Whole30 fame, she talks a lot about boundaries. And one of the things that I think is so important that she shares is how we feel comfortable and safe around people who are willing to establish boundaries. You don't have to wonder where you stand with them. You don't have to wonder if they're playing games or being manipulative or if they're trying to get you to do something by being all shifty and slimy with their, the way they speak. We feel safe with people who are honest and what you see is what you get. That's where we feel safe. And my guess would be if you want to attract into your life honest, authentic people of integrity, then you have to be the type of person you want to attract. If you want authentic, honest, non-people pleaser people in your life, that's how you need to show up as well. So before we move on to number three, I want to talk also about how this whole concept, this whole concept around worthiness, enoughness, is by far the biggest disempowering belief that I see in my clients and students. And because of that, this is usually what we're working on through a majority of our, our time together. In fact, I created a program, you may have heard me speak about this in the past, that's called Worthy. It's actually called Worthy, period. Not up for negotiation. And this is a nine-month deep dive immersion that I do with a very small group of women. And it is wildly transformative. Part of it is because we do talk about this subconscious message a lot. Because I work with hypnosis, we're able to start shifting those deep-seated beliefs in the subconscious part of the mind and get them congruent with what you want to believe. We want to believe that we're enough, that we matter, that we have value. So much so that it informs the rest of our decisions, that we act as though we believe that we are worthy and we are enough. And it's a deep dive, y'all. We do inner child work. We do attachment styles. We do forgiveness work, belief work, core value work, all sorts of different things. But one of my favorite, favorite components, and this is new for this round of worthy, is there are going to be two live, all-inclusive, in-person retreats as a part of Worthy. We're going to be doing one toward the beginning. The program starts in October. So starting in December, I have rented for this group an unbelievable lake house that is right at the border of North Carolina and Virginia at Lake Gaston. And it is an estate that is 7,000 plus square feet. It is 
absolutely breathtaking. So we'll be doing that. And my lovely, lovely, adorable Mr. Smith will be our private chef for the entire duration. And then in May 2024, toward the end of our time together, we will be going to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico at this gorgeous boutique hotel that we went to last year that I honestly have been dying to get back to ever since we went. And everybody just could not stop talking about the food. You will always have your own room for reflection and contemplation. And what I'll have to say more than anything is the connection and camaraderie that happens when powerful women come together and do not let each other sidestep their motherfucking self-worth. It is unreal. So here's what you need to know. I have eight spots. Three of them are already gone to previous students and clients. So I will have five spots available when I open up registration coming in September. And if you are interested and you want to make sure you get dibs, go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy and get your name on the VIP list. Those people will have access before anyone else to submit an application. I'm obviously doing an application process so that I can make sure that this sister circle is really beautifully curated. And I do so hope that if you are struggling in this realm of believing in your own worthiness or wanting to change dynamics inside your relationships or call in some new friendships or make some jumps in your work, then you really need to believe that you fucking deserve it. You need to get out of your own goddamn way. You need to make sure that you're not the biggest obstacle stopping you. And if you're done, like I cannot keep just trying to patchwork all my personal growth through this book or that podcast, I need a deep dive immersion, please check it out. Please check it out. amygreensmith.com slash worthy. Let's talk about number three. Who benefits from you staying quiet? Who benefits from you not establishing a boundary or weakly establishing a boundary and then not being able to enforce it? That sends a message in and of itself. Oh, Amy doesn't really mean it. She doesn't really mean it. He doesn't really mean it. I can walk all over those boundaries because every time she says something, she does not enforce it. In fact, that's a lot of how my parents would parent. (laughs) They would often threaten, oh, you're not going to go to youth group or you're not going to be able to go on that fun adventure if you don't clean your room. But they never followed up on those boundaries ever. So All three of us knew, myself and my two siblings, that we could essentially do whatever the fuck we wanted because they were never going to enforce the boundary. So that is why the enforcement element of boundary setting is unbelievably important and I think almost paramount to establishing the boundary to begin with. But here's the deal. When you start speaking, when you start flexing this very atrophied muscle, there are going to be people, institutions, that have benefited from your lack of boundaries. Sometimes it's very meta. It's our society that highly values a submissive woman. In fact, if she steps out of line in any way, we usually have names for them, right? They're shrill. They're being bitchy. They're being bossy, controlling, out of line. We don't typically applaud the assertive woman. 
So for that reason, I think you need to be very gentle with yourself that not only do we have familial or situational cards stacked against us, we also have societal cards stacked against us. So I want you to think back to what was modeled for you as you were a child. Did you see other women speaking up for themselves in a really thoughtful, articulate, powerful, assertive way where they got their point across and they were respected? Probably not. Probably not, unless you had some sort of utopian upbringing. So we start seeing and gathering evidence from how outspoken women are treated in relationships, in their families of origin, in the government, in politics, in our schools, in academia. And we begin to take stock as children and realize, looks like people-pleasing or buying into what I'm supposed to be, the woman I'm supposed to be who has 2.5 kids and has a thriving career, but not quite as successful as her very opposite-sexed husband, right? We're always talking in heteronormative terms. We start seeing all these boxes that, that society has told us that we need to check. and bucking against that is wildly unacceptable in certain circumstances. So I want you to think about what was modeled for you when you were little. Did you employ any type of people-pleasing behavior in order to stay safe, to just take care of yourself? If you've had a primary caregiver who was abusive or abused a substance or was not mentally stable. One of the most common and effective tactics at staying safe is people-pleasing. In fact, it's rooted in one of our primitive defense mechanisms. If you've heard about the fawn response, if we're feeling a sense of threat and we fawn to stay safe, the modern iteration of that is people-pleasing. So if you're in a situation where you don't feel safe in your home or you know that at a moment's notice things could get incredibly volatile, choosing to fawn as a child may have been exactly what you needed just to survive, just to get through. So I want you to think about now at this particular place in time, are there situations where staying silent is actually not keeping you safe? at all. In fact, it's doing the opposite. It's keeping you subjugated. It's keeping you oppressed. It's keeping you not happy. I mean, really at the root of it, it's what we want to feel. We want to feel happy. We want to feel free. And typically when we are shape-shifting and putting up veneers and trying to make everybody else happy, that happiness becomes incredibly elusive and it becomes another dangling carrot. And this dovetails nicely into number four, which is worthiness and marginalized communities. A handful of years ago, I think this was in 2020, I took a social justice course from the incomparable Dr. T. Williams. And we talked a lot about the connection between enoughness and how oppression works and what liberation theory is really posing. And it blew my mind wide open. Here's the nuts and bolts of it. In order for an oppressor to stay in power, one of the tenets that has to be abided by 
is the oppressed parties need to continue to believe that they are not enough or not as valuable as the oppressor. So let's talk about that through the lens of the typical heteronormative male-female dynamic. In our culture, we say that men are worth more than women. We can very easily see that in having founding fathers, not founding mothers, that God is typically gendered as a he, not a she, that we typically say Mr. and Mrs., and we have to delineate for women if they're eligible or not, but we don't have that for men. Oftentimes, if you have to check the box, male, female, or non-binary, we start with male. We typically write the man's name first, right? There are so many ways that we visually see in our culture, in our society, that men are valued more. So what that means then is that the oppressed party has to continue to believe that they don't matter as much in order for that system to stay in place. And this happens whether we're talking about being in an able body or a disabled body, if we're talking about being straight or being part of the queer community, if we're talking about being thin or being in a fat body, if we're talking about white versus literally anything else, we have sort of this social hierarchy. So what that means to me is that it is the most fierce act of rebellion to say, fuck you to oppression, fuck you to your categories of hierarchy. I fucking matter. I am enough in the face of a system who keeps telling you that you're not. And for many of us, we have intersections of that, right? We might have a disability. We might also be queer. We might also be female. We might also be of Latin origin, right? So we have all of these intersections. And you know, just as well as I do, that if you have any of those marginalized identities, you have to work extra hard to be seen as valuable or to be enough. So how provocative and how amazing if you didn't wait for anyone else's goddamn permission to own your fucking worth. What if you said, no, I am more committed to my enoughness than I am to seeing those oppressors thrive. And that is, by the way, why our society has pitted women against women. If we can keep ourselves in fighting, then we won't go against the actual system of oppression, right? We get distracted. We get gaslit by these other distractions, these other ideas. The same is true for those who are living in poverty. Regardless of race, if we can pit everyone who is impoverished against each other, then cool. No one's looking over here at the people who are in power. And for this reason, it is incredibly important that we are able to discern if speaking up for ourselves or establishing a boundary is actually safe. I will use an example from my own life. Many of you know I identify as queer. I lovingly call myself a covert queer because I am one of many, many cis women who has found themselves married to a cis man, but also happen to be super down for any other type of gender. I, I have always kind of felt like kind of whatever plumbing you've got, I feel like I can work it out. We've got plenty 
of inventions that I think can make things quite seamless these days. However, if I am out in an environment that is like ultra MAGA, let's say, or incredibly hostile towards the LGBTQIA plus community, that moment is probably not the moment for me to get up on my soapbox and wave my rainbow flag. In those moments, people-pleasing or not being seen, not speaking up, dipping out, trying to take care of myself may be the perfect step for myself so I can stay safe. And that goes for anyone in any type of marginalized identity or intersection they're in. We have to discern first and foremost, is establishing a boundary actually safe in this situation? That's always your determining factor because I do think there are situations where women find themselves in a very abusive dynamic and typical communication tactics don't apply. <laughs> they don't apply to gaslighting or narcissism or sociopathy. It is in, it's important that we know that because so many women go, gosh, if only I could do something different, if only I could speak up for myself or get through to them in a specific way. No, no, that's not always something that's possible depending on who's on the receiving end. All right, number five. Now I want you to tackle all of these areas from all angles. So recently, as I've been resting, I've had these incredible downloads about sort of organizing the thoughts around my business. And I figured out that really what is going to shift a belief, right? Because that's what we've been talking about, the belief that I am not enough or not worthy, shifting it into I am enough or I am worthy. What goes into changing those beliefs are four things. They are our behavior what we choose to do, our actual actions, our environment, who we surround ourselves with, who's in our households, who's in our families, who's in our workplaces. Those are where we spend a majority of our time. Our self-talk, how we're communicating to ourselves consciously. Now, sometimes it's not always verbiage. Sometimes it's what I like to call self-sentiment where you're not necessarily hearing words in your voice in your in your voice in your mind of you're not enough there's just sort of an essence or a sentiment around that and then finally your deep seated beliefs in your subconscious mind so we have to tackle all of these areas we have to look at our behavior we have to look at our environment we have to look at our self talk and we also have to look at what's happening with our deep seated subconscious beliefs so that we can start shifting them which spoiler alert is the exact work that i do in this world so again like i mentioned earlier if you are interested in getting down to the root of this finally and really making a marked change in how you view yourself, which obviously informs the entire trajectory of your life, then get your ass on that VIP list, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. And then you will be the absolute first to get dibs on submitting an application during the priority application window. So again, amygreensmith.com slash worthy. All right, so let's talk about these four categories, and I want you to be thinking about what kind of action step could you take to start shifting one of these categories. Behavior. 
is there something going on with what you are doing that's not helping you in any way around your enoughness? A great example, many years ago, a friend of mine mentioned that every time she got the Victoria's Secret catalog mailed to her, she felt like shit about her body. That is a behavioral thing. She could very easily stop getting that being sent to her house and or stop looking through it, like taking it and throwing it away. What you are actually doing to contribute to your worthiness or stealing your worthiness. Environment is about who you're surrounded by. So I'd love for you to take a quick inventory and just think about, are there people in my life who aren't able to support my biggest dreams and ambitions that maybe shoot me down or say things like, that's not very realistic, or I don't know if that's the smartest move for you, or I just worry that fill in the blank. Start looking around yourself. And it does not mean that you need to eliminate everyone from your life or you need to immediately quit your job. But I think we need to start getting curious about what is the cost of staying in your current job? What is the cost of staying in the current relationship? Whether that's intimate partnership, friendship, familial relationship. Start taking an inventory. Are any of these situations making it more difficult for me? Consciously, let's talk about self-talk or self-sentiment. How are you engaging with yourself? When you make a mistake, do you yell and scream at yourself like, God damn it, Amy? Or do you go, pencils have erasers for a reason. Oh, well, right? And moving on. We don't have to say, hey, you're so dexterous and so smooth with your movements. (laughs) You don't have to say the exact opposite, but you also don't have to beat yourself up for spilling something. You can quite simply be like, oh, that's inconvenient. Even that is a much more kind way to speak to yourself. And noticing when, what are you saying to yourself and when, or what is the sentiment and when. When is usually the trigger. It's when I'm around these certain people or when I'm talking about work-related things or anything related to parenting. That's when my not enoughness or that's when my inner critic chatter gets really fucking loud. And then finally, we need to tackle the subconscious piece. And that is always going to be hypnosis for me. That is, it's hypnosis for me, y'all, as the kids would say. No, no kids say. Just over here cracking myself up. So with the subconscious element, that is something that can dramatically change a belief of not enough in a very, very short time, which is why in Worthy, we do a subliminal hypnosis track specifically with your new belief system. And we craft that together and work on that. And it is something that all my students listen to daily once that's been created. And you don't have to do a damn thing. But it's so incredible to start rewiring that subconscious belief system while you're sleeping or while you're doing dishes because it sounds just like music. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Now there are plenty of ways that you can target the subconscious. Sometimes you can do that through writing. You can also do that through music sometimes, through talking and sharing with people. But again, my favorite way to work with the subconscious is is through hypnosis, of course. But the thing about all four of these is you don't have to do all four at once and you don't have to do them in any type of order. All you have to do is start tackling one of them in some kind of way and then continue to do that until you've really checked off the box of all four that 
yes, my behavior is in alignment with a woman who believes she's enough. My environment supports a woman who believes that she is enough. My self-talk supports a woman who believes she is enough. And my subconscious has that belief anchored in that I am worthy. So if you're hearing this and you're going, fuck, I don't know where to start, you can start with any type of self-talk or statement that you can say to yourself that you can actually believe. And I've done tons of pods on this, so I'll link some in the show notes for you as well. If you're targeting behavior, just take a quick inventory of anything you've been doing, hint, hint, scrolling through social media, making yourself feel like shit compared to everybody else. Delete that. Get a rid of, go on a social media sabbatical or curate your newsfeed so that you're only seeing shit that you want to see. That's a behavior that you can control right now. If I looked at your social media feed, would it be emblematic of a person who believes they are enough or not? Would it be someone feeling like they need to strive to look like this or have this much money or these perfect things in order to be enough or successful or fill in the blank? Self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? What is the sentiment? Pick one phrase you can say to yourself. And then to get to that subconscious, our typical two options are either repetition, which is why we give up so quickly with any type of habit or positive affirmation we need to say to ourselves. We usually give up real quick because repetition is tedious and it takes a while till we really believe it. Or we can go the hypnosis route. So I've done a handful of different podcast episodes that include a hypnosis track for you. I also have a free one that you can go to amygreensmith.com slash free and you'll see a downloadable hypnosis track all around anxiety and fear. It is geared a little bit more towards folks who tend to be visual. So just keep that in mind as you embark on that. But those can be really, really great tactics to help shift what that deep-seated belief is in that subconscious mind. So there you have it. There are five major components or elements to the connection between boundaries and worthiness. And I would love to hear from you. I'm back, baby. I want to talk. So I hang out the most on Instagram like any self-respecting Gen Xer. So you can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith. Find the meme for this episode and let me know what hit home for you. And I will definitely be back in your feed, in your ear holes next week. Isn't that gross? Yeah, it's gross. I should probably not say that. And we'll be kicking off another episode about worthiness and its connection to other major personal development topics. So I hope that I see you there. Do not forget to get your name on the VIP list for Worthy over at amygreensmith.com worthy. So you are the absolute first to hear about the application window being open. And in the meantime, please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do... I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.